0: I better set my alarm here, because we'll be going for two hours. Can you see that? Okay, so good morning, guys. It's good to be here. I love this place. I like it. I like the round tables, actually. (laughs) I'd rather have this setting than just chairs, personally. Um, I have a simple message today, because I'm a simple guy, right? And for those of you who don't know me, I'm an IT guy. That's how I started so I just want to say God can use anyone. If God can use a geek in mission, God can use you. Amen? Amen. So but life is very simple for me. It's either one or zero. It really is. Either you believe God or you don't. Let's not make it complicated. Yeah? So I'm gonna say some strong stuff today. If it, it offends you, I apologize on behalf. But you did invite a missionary to speak at a church, right? So I will speak on behalf of a missionary concept and from our position. Where you, some of the things I share and some of the things I say may not automatically fit into a local model, but we will make it work. Amen? So just be with me here. Let me give you an update, and then I'm going to go into a bunch of stories, and then I'm going to share what I feel like God is saying to us today. Okay, How about praying with me? Lord, we thank you for today and we ask Holy Spirit, come and lead us today. May you receive all the glory and honor. We yield to you. Come and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how many of you, this is first time seeing me up here? Let me see. Let me see your hand. Few. Okay, so you're probably like, who is this gray hair guy in the front, right? So, let me give you a 30 second recap. Born in Korea, raised in Maryland, went into mission. Uh, twenty years ago exactly <laughs> um, yeah, so that's who I am. I am here in l a last uh, five years, and we are reengaged with why am now uh, even though uh, I have all these identity crises the the truth is i'm re engaged so that's that's who i uh, I get complicated it's like Are you Korean-American? Are you Christian? Are you non-Christian? Are you missionary, non-missionary, all that? How about if I say I love Jesus and we leave it at that? Amen? Let's just leave it at that. So let me give you an update real quick for those of you who I gave some uh, information last time. Oh, this is not clicking all the way through. It's okay. I'll show you the whole thing. We went from... uh, It's not working either. We went from Mexico... We went to mexico then we went to colombia panama we went four locations in brazil and then right at sao paulo this is where the spiritual war thing is serious what we are talking about is spiritual war right on our third stop in brazil chris's mom went into the hospital so chris had to fly to arizona i went to Curitiba, last stop by myself i finished the week I flew to Arizona. She brought her mom to California. I drove the U-Haul from Arizona to California, moved her in, got her settled, and then I went to Nigeria by myself, then Turkey, then Kyrgyzstan. That was our last trip. So we're about to go again. Um, Let me show you just quick pictures. Basically, what happened was we would go to the location, and all the— countries around and the regions around, all the missionary leaders within YWAM Youth with Submission, they would fly in where we would land. So that's what was happening in every location. Every location, it was just gathering of leaders coming. So we would show up in Mexico, and these people would come from all these other different YWAM locations, and then we would share about translating the scripture into oral mother tongue for every mother tongue in the world. What that means, most of you probably don't even know because I didn't know, is that Only less than 10% of the world has full Bible. In English, we have 100 different uh, versions, right? Most languages do not have the scripture in their language. We don't know that. About 75% do not... uh, Let me say it again. About half the people do not have a writing system in their mother tongue. There are about 8,000 languages... Most of them don't even have an alphabet. So how are we going to get the scripture into every mother tongue? It has to be orally through a bilingual person. That's what we're saying. So that's the big picture of the vision. That's what I'm sharing. We are mobilizing all 30,000 missionaries around the world within Youth With a Mission. We're mobilizing them from elders to brand new young missionary to reach every mother tongue in the world to bring the scripture into every mother tongue in the world, into every village in the world. It's never been done before. It's a new time we're living in. So that, that's what I'm sharing. They're all freaking out, going, what? How are we going to do this? That, that's what's happening in every location, right? Colombia. we spent like three, four days. Uh, four other nations Zoomed in with us. They stayed in the Zoom all three, four days, the entire day, as we are unpacking this vision. And these are all uh, national leaders and base leaders of Youth with Mission all coming together. Uh, This is uh, Colombia. We're actually going into some of the indigenous villages and sharing the vision. And before I could even share, finish completing the vision, one of the indigenous leaders jumped up and gave me a hug. He said, we've been waiting for this. We can do this. No one has a a problem with trusting the indigenous people. They can translate their own Bible. No one has a problem with that except for all the educated Western people who, who have PhD in linguistics. <laughs> they have problems with these things. But if you ask a mother tongue, they say, yeah, we can do this. And what we're saying is trust the uh, mother tongue people and trust the Holy Spirit, period. All you Western educated linguists, let's stay out of the room. Let's let them do it. That's the concept. In a, not, okay. So they, they love the concept and they're going to start. So this is Panama. They were actually doing some of the things that we were sharing. They didn't even have the vocabularies for it. But they were actually having indigenous people come to the YWAM base and live there. That's part of the vision of this. This is uh, uh, Brazil. Now we're going into northern Brazil. That's where the Amazon River is. People were coming from everywhere. There was this one young couple, a leader, uh, had an infant. They were on a riverboat in a hammock for 24 hours just to get to this meeting. These are the kind of unsung heroes we have around the world, right? But they were just coming out of the woodwork saying, what's the new goal here? What's the new vision? And then I would unpack it, my wife and I would unpack that for sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's four days, depending on how much time we have. That's actually, we we went up to the Amazon River and going into the streams and moving the branches to get to the village. It was wild, it was fun. Life is fun, huh? Being a Christian is fun. It's venturous. I, I don't understand if you're not having fun as a Christian. It's fun. So that's what we're, we're doing. Then we ended up in what's called Portobello. Uh, this was an intense place. A lot of people showed up. We met a couple who's been working with an indigenous uh, Indians in the uh, Amazon for 40 years without a convert. Think about that. Because they've been working with them for 40 years, they actually know the language. So they're translating. (laughs) But imagine not giving up after 40 years. There's a whole teaching there that we can unpack for a week here. You don't just give up because things are not working out. You walk away when it's done. God will tell you when it's done. But until then, no matter how difficult life is or ministry is or whatever it is, you don't walk away. Amen? There's a lesson there in perseverance. Perseverance is one of the characters that I believe that we, uh, we lack in the first world, to be honest. We're looking for uh, life quality and all that stuff, right? But perseverance, by definition, means you want to quit. Otherwise, you don't need perseverance. Amen? With perseverance, uh, the perseverance is founded on faith. Okay, so we'll unpack that a little bit later. But these guys all came out, we spent about a week. Then we flew into Amazon, we were about to land in the jungle somewhere, <laughs> in some dirt spot. But then storm came in, we couldn't risk it. I got too much to do, man, we couldn't risk it. So we said, okay, forget it, we'll turn around because was storm was coming. But we were trying to land at an Indian in the middle of Amazon. So then we, this is where you were there. So Apollo was Chris's last stop with me. Bunch of people came together, we, we shared God was speaking to each one individually. It was amazing. Every event, we would explain the vision, but we would go into prayer and worship. And that's when the real closing the deal happened. That's when the Holy Spirit touched individual leaders. And you could see them being touched. And they're, they're uh, convicted, and they're going, yes, I'm, I, I will commit. It was an amazing thing to watch every location. It was pretty cool. Then we went to... You know, Brazilians, man. Any Brazilians here? They're crazy, man. They're like worse than Koreans. They had us go to, where were we? Sao Paulo. We spoke all day. They put us on a bus at midnight, drove six hours to Piratinga, spoke all day. They put us on a bus at midnight there, and then we had to drive back to Sao Paulo, and then we flew out in the morning. They maximized us, man. I thought I was going to die. I was like, you think I'm 18 or something? But it, it, was, it was wild. And then this is when Chris went back to Arizona, and I finished Curitiba by myself with, again, a bunch of uh, mission leaders coming around the world from, not around the world, southern part of Brazil. They were all converging in Curitiba, and we spent about four days here explaining the vision. Yeah. So we then went to Turkey, can't show you who was there, but Turkey was a a crazy place. It was a Persian gathering. You know what that means? It was three most difficult countries in the world coming together, and they were giving testimonies. I can tell you this, they're doing more baptism in Afghanistan than most American churches do here in Southern California. I'm just saying, that's the truth. That's what's happening. Some of these toughest countries in the world right now are having the biggest church growth, house church growth, than anywhere in the world. So don't believe everything you hear in CNN and all the politics and all this. And everyone's so scared, right? We're Christians, so scared. We're we're such a wimp, eh? No, there's nothing to be scared. I've been to Iraq during 2014, during the ISIS. I've been into these... It's not that scary. You can't believe everything you see on on the news, and we are so intimidated and scared just because we hear so much all the bad stuff. They don't tell you all the well, victory stories of what God is doing. CNN is not going to tell you that, but just because they don't tell you that doesn't mean it's not happening. So I have the privilege of g- coming to these gatherings and hearing. What the kingdom of God is happening in some of these nations that the world says it can't be done. But the fact is it's being done. And the progress is it's huge and the momentum is building. I'm just giving you some news here. Right? So after this service you can come with me. I can get you into any nation you want, I just can't get you out, but I can get you in <laughs> to any nations. I can't promise to get you. I will try, but that's not a promise. But I can't promise you get you into any nation you want. Okay? So let me end with Nigeria for the photo part. Because I, I left Nigeria with a bunch of pictures because there's lots of stories there that I want you to uh, really understand what's happening. Okay? Nigeria, by the way, is the first location. The vision is called OMT, Oral Mother Tongue. Okay? Nigeria is the first location OMT was proven uh, at the field level. It was just a concept. Now think about my wife and I going around the world just talking concept. That's what we were doing by faith. We're talking concept. By the time we got to Nigeria, they proved uh, the concept. And they did it. They translated 15 languages times 13 Bible books. In nine weeks. It's never been done before. Never been done before. The traditional model of Bible translation is one guy going to one village for the rest of his life, learn their language, learn their culture. Then they would uh, physically write the Bible into their language and it would take them entire lifetime. That's a, that's a hero, right? That's how we've been doing it for a hundred years. That's a true hero. What we are saying today is that we're not going to do it that way. We're going to use technology, and we're going to use bilingual people, and we're going to let them translate. The first world, all we're going to do is serve the mother tongue people. That's all we're going to do. We're serving them. We're not leading them because God can use every single person in the world. Amen. Not just first world, not just pastors or missionaries. God can use indigenous people, period. Amen? Amen. And that's what was being proven in Nigeria. By the time I got there, they were so excited. They said, look what we're doing, 15 languages in nine weeks. is like unheard of. And so we are calling that the Nigeria model. We gave them the name. First one to do, pull it off is theirs, right? Now, isn't it amazing that the solution did not come from some university from US or Korea, some first world. The solution came from the field by a young African YWAM staff, a lady. An African lady figured it out. So, so the guy in the middle, these are YWAM leaders who drove several days to get to this meeting. All these are, some of these guys are from northern Nigeria where they get killed. So these guys, some of them have to be constantly in motion because Boko Haram, which is the ISIS of Nigeria, their names are on the headlet. list. So they, their lifestyle is moving. Is this too much? This is the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Um, this is a fact, right? This is a fact. And sometimes when we come back to Southern California, like we have this reentry challenge. Because some of the challenges we have in Southern California, I can't relate to what I just experienced in Nigeria. You know what I mean? So... I'm trying to give you the holistic view of what the world is going on. This man in the middle, he's the main leader. His name is Paul Datunda. He's actually come from a royal family, and he's, he went into Nigeria uh, maybe about 20 years ago, and he was doing a vision trip from Togo with his staff. He was in Togo, and God said, go to Nigeria and pioneer YWAM. No, no YWAM existed in Nigeria 20 years ago. So he took his staff and himself, they were on a bus in Nigeria as a vision trip, and the bus gets a t- flat tire. They pull over, Holy Spirit tells him to get off the bus. So he tells his staff, we gotta get off the bus. He says, it's just a flat tire. So he grabs his staff, comes out of the bus, And the militants come behind them right as they come in. They're shooting up the bus. Paul and his staff are crawling through the bush as they're shooting their guns at them. They crawl for hours. And he messed up his knee even till today because of that. But when he was clear and safe, God said to him, will you still go to Nigeria for me? And he said, yes. That's his story. And today... There are over 20 locations of YWAM bases in Nigeria alone. He started that. One guy. One faith. One man who said yes. So that's his story. That's how they're recording right now. And they bought the biggest YWAM property in the world. This guy did. It's in the southern part of Nigeria. It's in the no-go zone. Even the government don't, don't go there. This is the militant hangout, the stronghold. So the uh, YW missionaries—they went and bought this huge piece of land. It's probably over 500 acres. In Nigeria, the best way to get murdered is being a landowner. That's the culture especially in southern Nigeria. If you're a landowner, you will get killed and they will divvy up the land and resell. That's the pattern of the culture in Nigeria. So while Paul Datunda buys the biggest piece of land, he's showing me around, we, we got stuck, he's showing me the perimeter of the land. It took two hours just to go around the perimeter of the land. It was wild. But he's telling me these stories, right? He's driving, oh, this Jason, uh, lot here, the, the owner came out to do a survey and they shot him and killed him and they gave it up the land. I mean, he's just telling me story after story. Paul de had six kidnap attempts on his life. That's part of his lifestyle, right? So how did he create a YWAM location in the heart of militant land? They bought the land. Next to the land, there's a brothel. So what did they do? They went and witnessed in the brothel. Most of them came to be a Christian. Half of them became a missionary. They took over the brothel and ran DTS for several years, right next to the base, while they're developing this land. There's a lot of lessons here. What are some lessons here? As Christians, we are called to transform society. We have the authority to do that as Christians. We don't just live in society. We don't just uh, internally in your heart fight the society. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a first world thinking. We we feel good about that. No, I'm talking about for real. Like you go into a militant area, you change a nation. That's what Christians have been doing throughout the entire Bible. So they went in, they built this campus. They're building out the campus now. The government was so shop, they said, if you're going to do that, we're going to build a university a mile down the same road, which they did, and then they built a highway in front of it, and then they put a police station across the street. That's how government can respond when Christians do what they're supposed to do, transforming nations for real. So that's what, that's what was just happening when I got there. They were there Five years. So they're building one of the best wildlife bases. Either this is this is not no oh Africa you know just no this he's doing it real. So that's just the front entrance of this crazy acre. He was sh- uh, showing let me just time this. He was showing me and t- uh, p- showing people around, introducing me. The head of the security for this base is an ex-militant commander. He still has good reputation with all the militants. So they, they respect him, so they're good with firewood. The head of operation for the campus development is an ex-warlord. His, just his name alone will bring fear in that community. But he became Christian, he loves Jesus, and he's the head of the construction. This is what we do. This is how we should live. Half of Paul's staff, missionary staff, are ex-militants. These are murderers, rapists, and killers who been redeemed and loved Jesus, and now they're a full-time missionary. These are facts I'm telling you. Yeah? This is good news. Amen? This is real stuff. Can this happen in L.A.? Absolutely. Should it happen? Absolutely. If the Christians, if we do what we're supposed to do, there will be no homeless problem. I'm just being honest. If we do what we're supposed to do, a lot of the challenges in Southern California that we think the government should solve is not the government's problem. It's the body of Christ. If we are, do, we are supposed to do what we're doing, I think we can transform any nation, even in Southern California. That's just my guess. Okay? So look at this. They're just building this. I mean, they're going so fast. Look at that. I mean, they're rocking and rolling. These, they're running a DTS with 200 widows. They're calling them not widows, but women of honor. YWM is ministering to 6,000 widows from northern uh, Nigeria where the husbands were all beheaded by ISIS. 6,000 were ministering to them. Only 200, we could bring them down to south and run DTS for them just for widows. These are traumatized women. These are women who witnessed the husband get beheaded because of their faith. This is real stuff, right? These are real women with real story. We're dealing with it. We're, we're not saying, hey, that's a news thing. That's somebody else's. We're dealing with it. We're confronting it little by little, piece by piece. We're taking care of what we can handle, right? But imagine what could happen if a Southern California church is all adopted and partnered with these people. Imagine what could happen then, Right? I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's not just Nigeria. There's so much needs here too, right? But it doesn't mean we can't do both. It's not one or the other. We can do local ministry and we can be engaged in international ministry. But this is real stuff. It's happening right now. They're running this DTS right now. They asked Chris to come and speak, but she didn't go. Why didn't you go? (laughs) You know what I mean? This is happening right now. Uh, And then I ended up in Kyrgyzstan and... So, so what, you know, so what? Okay, I got five minutes. (laughs) So what? Am I your entertainer? No, that's not why I'm here. So what? Why am I sharing this with you guys, right? Let me give you my perspective on this, okay? Because I didn't come here just to hang out. I, I came here because I felt like God had something for you guys this morning, okay? So, so what, all this stuff happening? What's that got to do with you? Here's what I think. I'm not going to read everything because we're out of time, but let me get to the point. Everybody knows these verses, okay? But let me just make some point. Jesus was telling his disciples, go two by two and take nothing with you. You guys all know that, right? That is a basic biblical principle of mission. Or in in theory, it should be for every Christian. In other words, it is not number of people we are relying on or number of money and the resource we have, that's not who we rely on. The whole point of this is you alone cannot do this even with all the resources in the world. The point is you have to rely on God, Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the point. And because of that, in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, we literally go <laughs> with no money and no resources. Most YWAM bases are sent out by two people going to somewhere imagine if we could send a YWAM base of 20 people in one location that would be like one percent of how we pioneer in YWAM this resource here this morning right here you got more resource than 90 percent of YWAM ministries out there in the world right now do you know what you can do with this much resource with your education and your resource can you imagine taking this and dropping it into Nepal or South Africa or somewhere else, we would change the world. I'm just giving a little bit of perspective today, right? Because you don't have too many missionaries coming here. I'm just giving you some mission context. What you got here is more powerful than most YWM teams out there in the world right now. Just saying. It's what you do with it. So we know that we're not relying on Uh, number of people or money or resource. We don't need that. It's not about numbers, it's not about resource. Some of our biggest YY uh, ministries today started by, they all started by one person. There was this one family who didn't get the money for outreach, they did the lecture phase but they couldn't go on outreach, they got stuck in Kona while the entire class went on outreach. They were faithful in what God was saying. They started ministering to children on base. Forty years later, it's one of the biggest ministry in YYM in the world, called King's Kids. Started by one family who couldn't make it on the outreach, but obey God and start ministering to kids. That's forty years ago. Do not despise small beginnings. Perseverance, one yes, one obedience. That's all it takes. <coughs> Oh, resource. How do you think my wife and I go around the world? That costs a lot of money. How do we do that? We didn't have the money. We didn't have the resource. When the challenge came, we said yes first in the spirit. We said yes. And we said yes to Lauren Cunningham. We said yes, we'll go. And we, then we're like, ah, oh, how do we do this? It's <laughs> a lot of money. And then someone said, hey, I heard what you're doing. I'll cover all your flights, rest of the OMT. Boom. One shot. Taken care of. How about housing? We got to come back and forth. I can't rent. I can't go. I can't do all this. Somebody said, we'll give you free housing. Boom. Done. Would that have happened if we said, uh, no, probably not. We said yes without having the resource and the money or the time, then the solution came. You got to understand the sequence of how God works. It's yes first then the solution. Amen? The solution... And the seeking God is not about our needs. God is not a genie. Too many Christians ask God for personal needs. That's not what Christianity is about. Seeking God means, God, I said yes, how do we do this? And the God responds. it's about God. Is this too hard? Is it good? All right. What do you need then? If it's not about money and resource, what do you need? Here's what Jesus said. And I'm just going to highlight. the. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father's doing. For whatever the father does, the son does. Even Jesus did not just do whatever he feels like doing. Even Jesus only did what the father said. Does that make <laughs> sense? Being Christian and having the, walking out the kingdom of God does not... Equate to my personal needs. Therefore, I'm going to ask God well, I personal needs. It's not about that. Asking God for need is actually doing what the Father is asking, and then you, you ask for it. Yes? And Matthew, basically the t- chapter 7 is like, let me paraphrase this. God's saying, hey, stop wasting time fighting with each other, bickering. Don't wait, you're losing energy. Don't do that. That's what he said. And he's also oh, my time's up. I'm gonna keep going, okay? Is that all right? It says, Don't waste your time bickering, but as seek it not. There is a narrow gate and wide gate. Th- that is the truth. Whether you walk in the narrow gate or the wide gate, it's up to you. And we all have that choice. But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Can you imagine us in Southern California, if we start performing miracles, driving out the demons and prophesying, you're going to be like a hero in the Christian body. That's not the end goal. That's not the purpose. That's not how you determine. Even the demons know the scripture. And shudder, scripture says. It's not about understanding or knowledge. It's about your obedience. So when you do the will of the Father, then you will know. So let me wrap this up. It's going to come down to obeying God, but you can't obey God if you can't hear God. You can't obey something you don't know what God is saying. Amen? So I'm just giving you some principles here. What does hearing God mean? How do you hear God? In order to, to obey. Hearing God is for everyone. I don't care when you became Christian, how long you've been Christian. I don't care how much Bible you know, how much you don't know. Matter of fact, one of our great leaders in Kona, he was smoking pot and getting high during his DTS. <laughs> he basically came to Jesus during his DTS. That's the initial training of where I went. And years later, he, became, he ran that base. He was a base leader. In other words, I don't care where you are, God can use you. I don't care if you're a brand new Christian, God can use you. I don't care how long you've been Christian and you know the Bible inside out. If you don't have the right heart or obey, God can't use you, period. Let us not look at each other and say, oh, he's such a mature person. He may not be. Brand new Christians sometimes have more faith. It is not determined by how much knowledge you have. It is determined by hearing God and obeying. That's where the power comes. It doesn't matter how long you've been in Christian, how good you are religiously. Amen? So, hearing God. Who can hear God? Everyone can hear God. You can hear God individually, corporately. You can hear God with two people, three people together. Sometimes God speaks like that because God wants them to do something. A lot of times God will speak to you personally. Wait with us. Lead us. My suggestion, here's what I did as an IT guy. Lord, I love Jesus. I studied computer science. Can you use me? That's where I started from. Some of you, your business, I have business experience. Lord, what do I do with this? That's a question you need to ask God. You've been incarcerated? God, that's my background. I've been incarcerated. What do I do now? Hey, you're a student? I'm in school. i got a bunch of students I'm working with. What do I do next? Holy Spirit will tell you. That's where Holy Spirit will guide you. That's where the seeking comes from. You're seeking God for His will. Does that make sense? You're knocking and you're pursuing God to pursue His will. It is not about pursuing God so you can be a good Christian, so you can get your prayer answered. That's not what we're talking about. Amen? This is about doing the will of the Father. And that can only happen when you hear the God's voice and you say yes to that. God, then it becomes a dance. It is a dance. It's an amazing dance. It's a fun dance. There's nothing like it. Everything is related to everything. It is not one hearing God of one obedience and we're done. It doesn't work like that. If you want to hear God's voice and you want to walk with God continuously the rest of your life, this has to continue. One, is, one affects the other. Your Today's obedience will affect tomorrow's hearing God. That's how it works. But if your obedience and your uh, asking is wrong, it stops there. There is no such because you're not involving God. You understand? If you're involving God and you're in God's will and you're saying yes to no matter how big the vision is, how scary the vision, how sacrificial the vision may be, you do it anyway. And then God will uh, speak more. You obey more, God will show you miracles. You cannot experience miracles unless you put yourself in a position that needs miracles. Too many first world Christians want miracle in a safe environment just so they can experience miracle. It doesn't work like that. God is not an entertainer. You will receive miracle when you need a miracle because you're doing God's will, period. That's how it works. So, anyway, I'm out of time. You may not invite me again, but here's what I leave you with (laughs) life is not that complicated, being Christian is not that complicated. It's simple. Either God exists or he doesn't. You're either with him or you're not. You can, you're going to either obey God or you're not. Let, let us not live in the middle. It's not that complicated. Let's be real. Let's be real Christian and just give it all to God. In my perspective of uh, baptism, I am dead and I came alive again in Christ. Amen? I do not have uh, rights I don't have the right to feel insecure. I do not have the right to hesitate. I do not have the luxury to, come to uh, think about whether I want to obey or not. If you are born again, you are a slave to Jesus, you don't have that option. I just want to remind you, because we feel like we have that right. We have that entitlement, and I can tell you as a Christian, we don't have entitlement. We gave our life to Jesus. That literally means we gave our life to Jesus. That means God can, we're saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, you are my Lord. How do I lead? And I will do your will. That's what Christianity is. You can't have it both ways. So for me, working with our colleagues around the world, it is fun, exciting, it's nerve wracking. But you will see miracles. If I had the time, I would tell you 10 more stories of Paul de Tunda or any other nation. You can throw a dart into a map and I can give you a God story miracle that happened within this year or last few years that are real. It's not 50 years ago or some Old Testament story. God is moving real now. God can do that in Southern California. He is in different locations. Some of you are called to be a missionary you need to obey. Some of you are not called to be a missionary and you shouldn't come into mission. You'll mess it up. you got to know the difference. But every one of you have a calling. I don't care when you came to Christ, how much you know the Bible, how much you sin. I don't care. Every one of us in this room have a calling. You have a purpose and there's a reason why you are here. And there's a reason why you're listening to me today too. There is a reason and purpose that is worthy for Jesus to die on the cross for you to be here in Southern California into 2023. What is your role and what do you do is what you need to ask God and then simply obey. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you are God who created the heaven and earth and everything in between. And we say, Lord, we give our life to you this morning once again and say, Lord, have your way with us. Lead us. In a real way. Lord, give us real vision. Scarier the better, Lord. Let it be. May you be glorified in the testimony of Jesus. That the world will know that there is a living God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.